Well, good morning to you all. We'll be continuing in Mark chapter 1 this morning and finishing the chapter up with verses 40 to 45. As we look over the last nearly two years of life with COVID, uh, it is striking to see the social impact of it all. Uh, certainly the health side gets a lot of attention, but it's had a massive social impact in the lives of everybody. Of course, the reason for that is the reality of contagion, diseases that spread. Uh, one of the impacts of the pandemic on our society has been a massive dose of loneliness. Uh, several months into it, I heard from multiple people who live alone who told me that it had been months since they had even touched another human being. Some sicknesses come with an incredible social toll. And this is certainly true when we think about lepers in the ancient world. Leprosy was an illness that carried massive social implications, as we're going to see. Uh, if you've turned to Mark, you're there before I am. Uh, Mark chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 40 to 45 here. And a leper came to him, that's to Jesus, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him, and sent him away at once, and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out, and began to talk freely about it, and to spread the news, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Let's pray. Lord, we just sang to you about being made whiter than snow, and we uh, rejoiced in that together, Lord, and, and again we do. We say thank you, Lord, that you have cleansed us. We ask, Lord, that you would uh, be in our midst, give us joy in you and in your kind work in our lives, Lord, and I pray that you be at work through us, uh, sharing that good news beyond Lord, I pray that you would help us to engage and understand your word this morning. By your Holy Spirit, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If we think through these five verses or so here, I think the main call for us, in light of reading this, is to come to Jesus for cleansing and listen to him. We want to come to Jesus for cleansing and listen to him. We'll work through verses 40 to 42, and we'll see that Jesus cleanses. And in verses 43 to 45, we'll see that Jesus commands. Let's look at these first few verses here together. Uh, now, Jesus, at this point, has 
just left Capernaum. We saw that last time. And he's going throughout the synagogues of Galilee and he's preaching and he's casting out demons. And uh, in chapter 2, verse 1, he's going to return to Capernaum. So what that's saying is that out of all of those travels that Jesus does, the preaching, the teaching, the miracles, casting out demons, Mark only gives us one little story. He gives us one vignette of all of that time uh, for us to see. And so I think it's important that we zero in and spend a little time and, and see what's here. We see Jesus is in between villages and a leper comes out to him. We might not know a lot about leprosy. Certainly we hear about it. Uh, we, we read about it in the Bible. Um, what kind of a sickness is leprosy? You know, how big of a deal is it? If you're familiar at all, it, it's a pretty big deal, right? Of course, leprosy is a pretty broad category in the Bible. Uh, we get our main uh, teaching on it in the Old Testament in Leviticus 13 and 14. Uh, Leviticus 13 is a chapter devoted to uh, different diagnoses of leprosy, and 14 talks about uh, the, the process of cleansing and, and presentation to the priests, and then what to offer in response. Uh, and leprosy is a broad category in the Bible, can talk about anything from a rash uh, to a boil to scabs, um, it, related to even houses, it can be mold in houses, can be a very broad category. Generally, though, I think when we see it here, places like this, certainly, uh, this is probably, maybe you could say, capital L leprosy. This is, this is the real deal here. Uh, and uh, if you had leprosy like that, you had a real problem. Uh, you think about it, just like Peter's mother-in-law couldn't go to Walgreens and get Tylenol, uh, if, if you had leprosy, you couldn't just go get a, a triple shot of antibiotics and be over it. You know, let's say, for instance, you were 25 years of age, you had a family, you had good life and good health, and you contracted leprosy. That means a total change of everything in your life. You would have to leave your work. You can't produce things and, and give those to others. That's the, the threat of contact and contagion there. You couldn't work with others. Uh, you, you would lose your work. You'd lose your family. Uh, you couldn't stay at home. There'd be the, the risk of spreading it there. you lose your house. You wouldn't be able to stay there. you lose your village. People were to go outside of the community if they had leprosy. The, the threat of that spreading was so great that people would have to go out of the presence of their villages and their loved ones, and they would live in isolation. Life as you knew it would be over if you contracted leprosy. Uh, harder yet, uh, lepers would have to make it known that they had leprosy for the safety of those they might come in contact with. And Leviticus 13, 45 to 46 says, The leprous person who has the disease shall wear Clo torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out unclean unclean he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease he is unclean he shall live 
alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Some in antiquity, outside the Bible, would call lepers the living dead. Because although they were alive, they were as good as dead. Now that is a pretty bleak picture, isn't it? You would not want to get leprosy. But with a, a little bit of that background in mind, let's come back to our text. This leprous man comes to Jesus. Now, the setting has to be outside of a town because he's not welcome in town. Jesus is probably traveling from one village to another. He's Again, he's on his way preaching in the synagogues. And this man comes to Jesus. Notice he runs right up to Jesus. He's probably not supposed to do that. But he, you can imagine, is desperate. He is so desperate for any chance of healing here. And you could imagine why. Uh, we see as well this desperation in his actions. He comes to Jesus and he is imploring him. He is begging him. He gets down on his knees in front of Jesus. He is humbling himself before the Lord. He is in desperation and he's also coming in faith. Look at what he says here. He says, if you will, you can make me clean. If you will, it's the idea, if you're willing, if it's in your desire to do this, that's the statement. He's saying, Jesus, if it would be in your desire to do this, then here's a statement of truth, he says. You are able. He knows that Jesus is able to make him clean. He has no doubt about that. He wouldn't be coming to Jesus like this if he didn't know that. He doesn't know if Jesus is willing. But he's willing to go and see. That is faith. Notice the request as well that he makes here. He doesn't just say, heal me. Certainly he wants healing, and as we'll see, that's what Jesus does. It's not just healing that he wants. He says, cleanse me. The word for heal doesn't occur in this whole passage. The word cleanse, or cleansing, occurs five times. He's going to heal. But what this man is after is cleansing. He's not simply asking for healing. He's asking for his life back. And that would come through cleansing. Let's look at Jesus' response then in verse 41. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. It's remarkable. It starts saying that Jesus is moved with pity. He understands the plight of this man, and he has compassion. I think we can learn from that. Jesus understands, and he cares about our difficult situations. He sees, and he knows, each painful aspect of our lives. Others might not see it, but he sees our pain, and he cares. Jesus has pity on this leper. 
See what he does. Now, Jesus could speak the word and heal him. He does that all over the place. He reaches out his hand and he touches him. He takes hold of this man. Let's be clear. You don't do that. That's a good way to get yourself a good case of leprosy. Further, if you touch a leper, you become unclean. That doesn't mean you sinned. But that means that ceremonially you are not allowed to uh, to enter the temple precinct. But Jesus touches this untouchable man. Somebody who probably hasn't had contact with another human being and who knows how long. Utter holiness touches utter defilement. And he cleanses him. He says, I will be clean. I am willing. Be cleansed. The leper said, if you are willing, Jesus responds, I am willing. See the result, verse 42. And immediately, immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Jesus is willing and he has the power, the ability to cleanse this man of his leprosy. Jesus has the power to cleanse the unclean. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he has the power to do it? Jesus has the desire to cleanse the unclean. Do you believe that? The impurity of uncleanness in the Old Testament was meant to be a picture of the defilement that sin causes in our hearts and in our lives. Sin is what truly defiles us. Sin bars us from access to the presence of the Holy God. Uncleanness uh, points us to that reality. As we celebrate Christmas a little extra and a little late this year, Uh, we're reminded of why Jesus came. Uh, The angel tells Joseph that he will be called Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. Jesus came to save us from our sin. Came to cleanse us. Came to cleanse a people and bring them back into the presence of God. You may not feel this way this morning, but do you feel defiled by sin? Do you feel like the doors of God's presence have been barred to you? If that is the case, be encouraged and go to Jesus. He can touch you and cleanse you. He's not only able, but he is willing. Come before him and humble your heart before him because he has compassion. If you are not yet God's child this morning, he will welcome you simply for coming and believing on Jesus. And this morning, if you are God's child, and you're feeling stained by sin, know that He can and will cleanse you. Confess your sin to Him, and He will forgive you. Christian, our hope is in the compassion of the Savior. 
we hope in that compassion and we share it. We also want to extend this compassion that he's given. You see, here, God loves the unlovely. Who in your life is not very lovely? The leper in this society would have not been very pleasant to look at, uh, not very desirable to be around. People would want to keep their distance. Is there someone who the Lord would have you extend compassion to in your life? We want to extend the compassion that Jesus has given uh, to us, to others. We also want to extend the hope that he's given us. We want to speak of others, of the cleansing that he has done in our lives. Same time, we know that the, thing, the very thing that's our hope, the hope of cleansing, is offensive to many. Many people don't want to think that they need any cleansing from their sin. And they might be offended that we would suggest they need it. In fact, in our day, governments are even moving to punish Christians who would suggest that any type of sexual sin should be discouraged. In fact, our brothers and sisters in Christ in Canada right now are facing new legislation that would outlaw any kind of conversion therapy, uh, any sort of encouragement of any type that would encourage uh, people to, to uh, not live in their sexual lifestyles. You know, some conversion therapy is not godly. It doesn't come from the Bible. It, it's very man-made. But this would go so far as to prohibit even pastors and Christians from pre praying with people who seek liberation uh, from their sexual sin. We should pray for these brothers and sisters and know that uh, that is not probably going to stay in Canada. And we don't want to shrink back from sharing the hope that we have been given. First Corinthians chapter 6, Paul is speaking to the Corinthians here, chapter 6, verse 9. And following, he says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. It's just the reality. Hear what Paul says in verse 11. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. See that? There's cleansing for us. God has cleansed us, and we don't want to shrink back from calling others to look to this Jesus who is both able and willing to cleanse. Well, we see here then in these three verses that Jesus cleanses. Next, we see that Jesus commands in verses 43 to 45. I'll read them again. This is back in Mark chapter 1. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in the desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Uh, 
Jesus commands this cleansed man to be quiet about the very miracle that he's just done. He says, here he sternly charged him. Uh, the, the word in Greek uh, could be translated, he rebukes him. Uh, he says, don't say a single thing to a single person. And we kind of wonder, why is Jesus um, going from here to the next thing, and all of a sudden, he's, he's coming down hard? Well, it's a bit of conjecture, but I, I wonder if perhaps Jesus knew that this man had the raw material to be a blabbermouth. And, as it turns out, uh, Jesus wasn't overdoing it when he was telling him not to go out and speak of it. Now, we might stop and think, well, wouldn't that make good publicity for Jesus? If, uh, if he's going out and telling about it, wouldn't that be a good thing? Well, I, I think the, the idea of the publicity is the point. Uh, I don't think Jesus wants to pull in crowds of gawkers who are simply there to see a show. Sometimes people demand a miracle of Jesus and he does not give them the sign they're demanding. Uh, further, uh, if people continue to gather together, large crowds, everybody getting here, uh, it might begin to, to catch the uh, eye of the Roman government. There's certainly a political reality going on in this day. There are uh, messianic figures that have come up over the last few hundred years of Israel's history and the Roman government was really keen on keeping its control. Uh, Jesus knows that it's not his time yet uh, and so uh, I, I believe that as we go through Mark we see Jesus telling the demons to not to be silent, not speak of who he is. We see here telling this man not to go out and, and spread it abroad yet. Uh, I think Jesus is, is keeping the crowd down at this point. <clears throat> uh, of course, we uh, see this first command, and we'll, we'll come back to that. Then our second command that Jesus gives him, he says, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded. Uh, Jesus commands this former leper to go to the priest and present himself. He calls him to give the sacrifices uh, that, that are given in the law of Moses. He's referring most likely to Leviticus 14 there. It's going to include uh, a couple birds he's going to offer. Um, one will be slain and the living one, will be, uh, the blood from the living one will be put on, from the dead one will be put on the living one and it'll be released free. Uh, then there's three sheep that will be offered in this process. Jesus is telling him to go and fulfill this, to do uh, this cleansing and, and there would be priests <clears throat> certainly in the temple but <clears throat> when the priests were not on duty in the temple they'd be returning to their villages <clears throat> pardon me and uh, he could go and talk to the priests there in town uh, they could give him a certificate that would uh, make him approve to re-enter society and Jesus is no lawbreaker here uh, although he had the power to do what the law never has the power to do, he still faithfully kept the old covenant law. Uh, he lived according to it. The law could pronounce the leper unclean, but it had no power to cleanse him. The law has the power and the right, and has been given to condemn the defiled, 
but only Jesus has the power to cleanse and to justify. We don't know if this man obeyed Jesus here. Uh, we don't know if he went on to, to do these uh, things, to, to sac make these sacrifices. Uh, but we know that he did not keep the first command that Jesus gives. He goes right out and he runs his mouth up and down all over town. Now normally, that would be a good thing. It's a good thing to speak of Jesus. But in this case, Jesus explicitly told him and forcefully told him not to. Brothers and sisters, I think we can learn from this here. Uh, it is strange for somebody to be restored by Jesus and then refuse to listen to him. The reality is we're all prone to do that. Uh, if you have been saved by Jesus, then you want to make sure you listen to him. We don't want to be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. Jesus commends that we be like the one who built his house on the rock, that we hear the words of Jesus, and we do them. And it's not just that we would do good things in our way, but that we would do them in the way that Jesus instructs us. Uh, at this point, we don't want to respond like this man. Notice the sense of irony as well that comes through this text. Uh, in the beginning of this, Jesus is free to enter into any town he wants to. He's going from village to village, and he's preaching. Uh, he's free to do that. And this man, as a leper, is forced outside of any town. He is forced to live in the wilderness. But, because of his disobedience, Jesus has to now live in the wilderness. He goes out and he spreads so that Jesus can no longer openly enter a town. He's out in desolate places. And this is only for a time. But, the, the leper can now re-enter society, and Jesus is not able to. One commentator pointed out that here, Jesus trades place with the leper. But isn't that what he does? Is that not what Jesus came for? He came to trade places with us. The human predicament is that our sin defiles and condemns us before the holy and righteous God. There is nothing that we can do to make up for that. We could never do enough good to compensate for our bad. It's simply impossible. We therefore stand condemned by our sin and we wait for judgment. That's the human predicament. We are standing on the outside as the living dead. But the Son of God came to this earth over 2,000 years ago. He took on flesh. He was born of Mary. He was born under the law. He never sinned. He never failed in a single point. He never gave in to temptation, gave himself over to sin. Never. He always did what was pleasing to his Father. He loved the Lord, his God, with all of his heart, soul, and might in every single point. And he carried out the, the mission we've been reading about. He carries that out right to the end faithfully. He gives himself on the cross, he dies under the curse that our sin accrues. He is there judged as the worst of all sinners, although he himself is sinless. Every human being, by nature, is under the wrath of God. But Jesus has come to trade places with us. There on the cross, he comes under the judgment of the law 
comes under our condemnation. And when we come to him, we are free. We're like that bird that has been set free. The blood of one has covered us, not our own. And we've been set free. In Jesus, we have cleansing. We have freedom. We become God's children, and we are free to walk with him and to love him. And after this life, we will be free with him for eternity. Free from all sin, free from all defilement. We will spend eternity in joy with him. Not because we accomplished it. Not because we had it in ourselves to do it, but because he came and took our place. We have reason to give thanks. We have reason to rejoice in Jesus. Rejoice that he has cleansed us and made us whiter than snow. We have reason to share it. Well, if the men would, please prepare for communion. And Eric, if you would come to play, we'll go to prayer together.